it's not easy being green. Hey there, friends. Lucifer means Lightbringer here. And, you know, Kermit the Frog has a point. It's not easy being a green man and living out your eternity on the very small Isle of Faces, cut off from the rest of the world. In a Game of Thrones, Maester Lewin is giving Bran and us readers some prime exposition history regarding the Children of the Forest, and after telling Bran of the initial coming of the First Men and of their warring against the Children of the Forest, we get to the part about the Pact on the Isle of Faces. Finally, the wise of both races prevailed, and the chiefs and heroes of the First Men met the Green Seers and Wood Dancers amidst the weirwood groves of a small island in the Great Lake called God's Eye. There they forged the pact. The First Men were given the coastlands, the high plains and the bright meadows, the mountains and bogs. But the deep woods were to remain forever the children's, and no more weirwoods were to be put to the axe anywhere in the realm. So the gods might bear witness to the signing, every tree on the island was given a face, and afterward, the sacred order of green men was formed to keep watch over the Isle of Faces. Alright, so we have several terms being used here. Children of the forest, green seers, wood dancers, and then finally, the sacred order of green men. We've seen six children of the forest through Bran's POVs, so we know what those are. They're tiny but deadly little wood elves, more or less, with large golden eyes slitted like a cat's or a snake's, black-clawed, four-fingered hands, and nut-brown skin, which is dappled with spots like a deer. Maester Lewin tells Bran a moment earlier that their wise men were called green seers, which doesn't really tell us too much except that some of the children of the forest are thought to have been green seers. We know this is true in some fashion, since we see a bunch of mostly dead children of the forest sitting in weirwood thrones in Bloodraven's cave in A Dance with the Dragons. The wood dancer term is a little more cryptic. It's only used the one time here, and then again in the world of ice and fire when it says, the hunters among the children, their wood dancers, became their warriors as well. Now, some people in the fandom have speculated that perhaps the wood dancers are the males of the children of the forest. But Maester Lewin also says that male and female hunted together with weirwood bows and flying snares. So it seems more likely that wood dancer is a role or position, that of hunter and warrior. That leaves us with the green men, who, like Kermit, are said to be as green as a leaf. Maester Lewin doesn't tell us too much about the green men here, but Bran has heard stories about them from old Nan, saying variously that the green men ride on elks, that sometimes they have antlers too, and that all the tales agreed that the green men had strange magic powers. Then in the world of ice and fire, we get the official Maester's view on the green men. Whether the green men still survive on their isle is not clear, although there is the occasional account of some foolhardy young river lord taking a boat to the isle and catching sight of them before winds rise up, or a flock of ravens drives him away. The nursery tales claiming that they are horned and have dark green skin is a corruption of the likely truth, which is that the green men wore green garments and horned headdresses. So as you can see, the maesters have heard the same tales as Bran, about the green men having antlers or horns on their head, plus the detail about their having green skin, maybe just maybe. If either of those things are true, green skin or antlers, then they are definitely not children of the forest, or at least not the same as the six children that we've seen with our own eyes. 
The more sober, quote-unquote, less magical alternative that the maesters offer is that the green men are actually people who cosplay as stag men, which would still make them not the same thing as the children of the forest. And by the way, you really gotta watch out for people who do horned cosplay, especially if you're a lightly defended capital city. I mean, I'm doing my best to rehabilitate the image by not leading any rebellions over here, but it's tough when any knucklehead can stroll into the Halloween store and buy some cheap fake antlers. Anyway, a later pass from the World of Ice and Fire also shows that the Maesters definitely do consider the Green Men and the Children of the Forest to be two different races, or species of humanoid, if you will. When discussing the possibility of any children of the forest remaining in Westeros, the maesters say that it is possible that a few survived on the Isle of Faces, as some have written, under the protection of the Green Men, whom the Andals never succeeded in destroying. So, as you can see, everything we hear about the Green Men suggests that, although they guard an island full of weirwood trees with faces, they seem to be something different from the Children of the Forest. Now, the most fun possibility here is that the Green Men are actually some sort of magical race of humanoid that we haven't seen yet. Some sort of elvish or fawn-like creature with green skin and horns or antlers growing from their head. And, good news friends, I'm pretty darn sure that this will turn out to be the case when we see the Isle of Faces, which George R. R. Martin has said will happen before the end of the story. I actually began to lay out the evidence for that theory in the last video, which is called The Holy Isle of Lang, Origins of the Green Men, and I'll have one more Green Man video coming after this one to tie it all together. Today we'll reinforce the claims I made in that Lang video and go on to discover the most important truth to know about these horny green men. So if you like what you see, please check out our Patreon campaign linked below, or consider making a one-time donation at paypal.me slash mythicalastronomy, also linked below. And thanks so much to all of you for your generous support. Did someone say horny? Oh geez, Robert, it's not your week to read the promo, man. It's supposed to be- I thought you said I did a great job last week. No, you did, you did, you totally did, but... It's just there's not much to do down here in the crypts, but drink, you know. Ned's statue is even less talkative than Ned was. Why are you still down in the Winterfell crypts, King Robert? I'm hiding down here from old Nan. I stole a tart from the kitchens this morning and a horn of ale. And that old crone's had it out for me ever since... Robert! Gods, she's found me. Robert, get over here. Gods, woman, let go of my ear. Ow! I was just about to tell you, King Robert, it's old Nan's turn to read the promo today. Yes, go and muck out the stables, you lunk, before I clout you about the ear. Oh, um, yeah, yes, sir. Right away, ma'am. Now, as for the rest of you, let me tell you the story of the bad little boy who didn't click like and subscribe. He was struck down by lightning, the crows ate his eyes, and ice spiders laid eggs in his skull, their crystalline ovipositors plunging Jesus, into old man, you know what, uh, you have a lot to do, I'm, I'm sure, so uh, I'll take it from here. Thank you so much. Old Nan, everyone, old Nan. Maybe, maybe there'll be some time for another story at the end of the show, huh? Well, there's always the tale of the rat cook, or the story of the girl with fiery worms in her stomach, or... When we think about the idea of the Sacred Order of Green Men as green-skinned fawn creatures, we have to take a look at the matching legend of Garth the Green. It would probably take me longer to summarize all the information in his section in the world of Ice and Fire, so I'll go ahead and read it. 
Garth was the high king of the first men, it is written. It was he who led them out of the east and across the land bridge to Westeros. Yet other tales would have us believe that he preceded the arrival of the first men by thousands of years, making him not only the first man in Westeros, but the only man, wandering the length and breadth of the land alone and treating with the giants and the children of the forest. Some even say he was a god. There is disagreement even on his name. Garth Greenhand, we call him, but in the oldest tales he is named Garth Greenhair, or simply Garth the Green. Some stories say he has green hands, green hair, or green skin overall. A few even give him antlers like a stag. Others tell us that he dressed in green from head to foot, and certainly this is how he is most commonly depicted in paintings, tapestries, and sculptures. More likely, his sobriquet derived from his gifts as a gardener and a tiller of the soil, the one trait on which all the tales agree. Garth made the corn ripen, the trees fruit, and the flowers bloom, the singers tell us. A few of the very oldest tales of Garth Greenhand present us with a considerably darker deity, one who demanded blood sacrifice from his worshippers to ensure a bountiful harvest. In some stories, the green god dies every autumn when the trees lose their leaves, only to be reborn with the coming of spring. This version of Garth is largely forgotten. Largely forgotten? Well, not here on the mythical Astronomy of Ice and Fire podcast, of course, where we praise Garth with regularity. Anyway, as you can see, it's the same story here with Garth as with the Green Men. The old tales describe a green-skinned stag man, but the maesters, again, ever skeptical about all things magic, tend to think it was horny cosplay. Cosplay or no, Garth the Green sounds just like a green man, in other words. And of course, those who know their European folklore know that this Garth the Green fellow is in fact just George's version of the folkloric figure known as the Green Man, which is very closely related to Cernunos and the other stag man and horned god mythology, which we again love to celebrate here on this podcast. George Martin actually gives us a direct shout-out to this folklore in A Game of Thrones when he has Ned think that King Robert looks like a horned god when he wears his antlered helm. Did someone say horny? Anyway, the main feature of horned god, green man, and Cernunos mythology is, of course, that these figures embody the vitality of green nature and therefore die in the fall when the plants lose their green and are resurrected in the spring when the plants bloom again. As we just read, this is also one of the beliefs about Garth the Green. So again, we can see that Garth is really just George's version of the folkloric Green Man. That fact alone suggests a link between the Green Men of the Isle of Faces and Garth the Green Man. And since they're described exactly the same way, it seems very possible that Garth the Green and the Green Men are actually the same thing, that Garth was of the race of the Green Men. This is also suggested in the quote above when the maesters say that although Garth the Green may have been the leader and the first high king of the first men, it's also said that he may have been here thousands of years before the first men, making him the first man in Westeros. But if the green men on the Isle of Faces and Garth the Green are actually the same type of fawn creature, then we're probably talking about the green men as a race having come to Westeros before the first men, as opposed to just one green man. After all, where did the green men who formed the sacred order on the Isle of Faces come from, right? It would make a lot of sense if the fawn creatures were simply one of the old races that the children of the forest speak of, which also includes themselves and the giants. Those darker versions of Garth the Green, where he demands blood sacrifice to make the seasons turn, well, that does sound a bit like the legend of the Hammer of the Waters, doesn't it? 
And so they did, gathering in their hundreds, some say on the Isle of Faces, and calling on their old gods with song and prayer and grisly sacrifice. A thousand captive men were fed to the weirwood, one version of the tale goes, whilst another claims the children used the blood of their own young. Now we've also seen that ritual blood sacrifice to weirwood trees is in fact an ancient northern tradition. We've also ridden shotgun in Bran's POV while he inhabited the Winterfell heart tree in a weirwood paste vision and witnessed a man being sacrificed to the weirwood. And of course, Bran could even taste the blood as it ran into the pool before the tree. Now, the green men aren't mentioned here in this blurb about the Hammer of the Waters. But of course, when the pact is signed on the Isle of Faces and the Sacred Order of Green Men formed, it says that all the trees on the island were given faces. And of course, giving a tree a face may well involve ritual blood sacrifice. In real-world Horned God and Sununos folklore, there is also a fair amount of ritual sacrifice, whether that be the sacrifice of the Horned God or even someone sacrificed to the Horned God. So what we're seeing here is that George is carrying over these blood sacrifice ideas from real-world Green Man folklore to his own folklore, whether that be relating to Garth the Green or the Green Men and the events on the Isle of Faces. Another clue that Garth the Green was really the same thing as the Green Men on the Isle of Faces is the fact that Garth is explicitly tied to Weirwoods, just as the Green Men on the Isle of Faces are. Garth was said to have planted three intertwined Weirwoods at the High Garden Godswood, called the Three Singers. It's hard to say exactly what that means, since we've never seen Weirwoods planted, and since they seem to have a magical biology different than that of other trees. They live forever if undisturbed, they drink blood, and they seem to be primarily underground organisms, which occasionally pop up trees above the surface, kinda like mushroom caps. Whatever planting Weirwoods entails, it does seem rather magical and special, as we've never heard of humans being able to do such. For example, it's implied that the first men built castles like Winterfell around pre-existent godswoods with heart trees, which makes sense since they are supposedly eternal and since they endow people with magical powers. Thus, the idea of a green man who can plant weirwoods seems like something altogether different than anything we've seen or heard of. These green men must have been powerful nature beings, godlike indeed. It would make sense if these were the type of beings set to guard the all-important weirwoods on the Isle of Faces, right? I would also say that if green men can plant weirwoods, it follows that they would be able to access their magic as well, which would make them green seers. Garth, the green man, was also said to have planted a magical tree throne called the Oak conceit. No petty king could ever hope to rival the power of Highgarden, where Garth the Gardener's descendants sat upon a living throne, the oaken seat, that grew from an oak that Garth Greenhand himself had planted, and wore crowns of vines and flowers when at peace, and crowns of bronze thorns, later iron, when they rode to war. The crown of vines and flowers sounds very Child of the Forest-like, but setting that aside, and that's a setting aside the crown joke, a living tree throne has to make us think of the weirwood thrones that green seers like Blood Raven and Bran sit in. This quote actually opens the question of whether trees other than weirwoods, like oak trees, can be used for magic although there's precious little to go on here, so all we can do is speculate. Garth is planting living tree thrones, though, and that's got to catch our eye, since he's also been planting weirwoods. All of this stuff that we're talking about is incredibly old. Garth the Green Man either came here with the first First Men, or centuries before them. The events on the Isle of Faces seem to have taken place before the Long Night, where history becomes legend. We're talking about planting weirwoods here, planting tree thrones, and giving faces to the trees on the magical island which seems like the very center of the weirwood network. 
This is origins-level old stuff we're talking about. So whoever these green men are, they seem to be right at the heart of the mysterious weirwood tree phenomena whose secrets we readers are still trying to discern. Were the green men green seers? What exactly is their connection to the weirwoods? And now it's time for the deep magic, the deep weirwood lore. George R. R. Martin did not choose the name Garth for his green man figure by happenstance, oh no. Garth is a name whose etymology pretty clearly suggests that the green men were green seers in two different ways. And let me tell you, this is some of the coolest weaving of lore together anywhere in A Song of Ice and Fire, in my opinion, so gather round and listen close. First off, there is a tradition with medieval monasteries of having an enclosed central garden, which is called a cloister garden. But another word for the actual green space of the cloister garden is a garth. That's right. It's a god's wood, in other words, especially since we're talking about gardens in buildings dedicated to religious worship and intended for use by religious devotees. Let me just say this again, folks. Garth the Green is named after an enclosed religious garden. And better still, the garths of these cloister gardens were intended to represent the Garden of Eden. That's important because, according to Genesis, the Garden of Eden has a special magic tree with mind-expanding fruit at its center, just as the god's woods of Western contain weirwood heart trees at their center, which enable astral travel and all sorts of other fun magic. So, I'll ask you again. Do you think that Garth the Green, or the Green Man race that he's probably from, can use the magic of the weirwoods? I'd have to say so, else why name Garth the Green Man after the equivalent of a real-life godswood? But wait, it gets worse. There's something out there in the wide world called a fish garth, which is a wooden structure kind of like a sluice dam, which is built across the width of a stream or small river to catch fish. The idea is to allow water to pass through while catching the fish in the wooden meshwork of the fish garth, sort of straining the fish out of the river, if you will. Here's the thing, though. A fish garth is also called a fishing weir, or just a weir, and that's W-E-I-R, the same spelling as weirwood. Aha! So, Garth the Green is not only named after the real-world equivalent to a godswood, which is where weirwoods grow, his name is synonymous with weir. Thus, a weirwood can be thought of as a garthwood, or a garth tree. The garth trees grow in godswoods, which are garth gardens. Is anyone getting horny yet? Oh, oh no. Did someone say horny? Because I've made the eight, you know. <laughs> Do you know what that is? It's when you- There you are, you worthless oaf. I've got you. God's woman, let go of my ear. Ow. You can maze about drinking wine and cavorting with hedge podcasters. Well, you've got another thing coming. Damn, even old Nan is bagging on podcasters these days. That's pretty rough. Anyway, in case you're wondering if any of this is some sort of happy accident, George Martin gives us this delightful passage in A Dance with Dragons, where Bloodraven describes the interaction between the weirwoods and the river of time as being like a fishing weir. Time is different for a tree than for a man. Sun and soil and water, these are the things a weirwood understands, not days and years and centuries. For men, time is a river. We are trapped in its flow, hurtling from past to present, always in the same direction. The lives of trees are different. They root and grow and die in one place, and that river does not move them. 
This right here is pretty awesome, because fishing weirs straddle rivers and are not moved by them. And here is Lord Bloodraven saying that weirwood trees straddle the river of time and are not moved. The green seers also become the fish in this metaphor, since men are usually caught up in the flow of the river of time, like fish, but green seers are those who are plucked from the river of time by the weirwoods, like fish caught in the fishing weir. In fact, have another look at those green seers trapped in the loving arms of the weirwood roots. Very like fish caught in the weir. Ah yes, there it is, a visual depiction of that weirwood trees as fishing weirs metaphor. Ergo, there can be no doubt that Martin chose the name weirwood with full knowledge of the fishing weir fishgarth stuff. And similarly, there can be no doubt that Martin chose the name Garth with full knowledge of the Garth Garden and Fishgarth stuff. So, circling back to the question of, are the green men green seers, and what exactly is their connection to the weirwoods, we have to say that they most likely were green seers. Martin created his own version of a green Cernunos, and then gave him a name which ties to weirwoods and godswoods, a name which in fact spells out the weirwoods as garth trees that grow in garth gardens. He tells us that green men planted weirwoods, specifically heart trees, which implies them as having faces. And he also tells us that green men were there when the trees on the Isle of Faces were given faces. The most straightforward interpretation of all this, to me, is that not only were these antlered green men green seers, but that green men might be required to create a heart tree that green seers can use for magic. For the weirwoods really to be garth trees, it seems like there should be part of the green man inside the weirwood. And of course, we know that the green seers who use the weirwoods do merge with the trees, mind, body, and soul. Thus, it could be that the green men are the ones sacrificed to open up a heart tree for use, which of course would make sense, since that's one of the defining aspects of the horned god folklore, being sacrificed. This could be the in-world explanation for there being legends of Garth the Green Man dying and being reborn. Or, perhaps the green men are the ones with magic powerful enough to oversee a weirwood face-carving ceremony, instead of being the ones being sacrificed. Garth the Green is also said to demand blood sacrifice, of course, which places him in the role of Dark High Priest, essentially. This also kind of sounds like what may have happened on the Isle of Faces when the pact was signed, where the green men are specifically mentioned, right as those trees were supposedly given faces. But what about the children of the forest? My green man theory is kind of crowding them, isn't it? Well, I think the presence of the green men in some of these legends of the children of the forest may have become obscured over time, and that some of these references to, quote, the green seers were actually references to the green men. For example, take the Hammer of the Waters legends, which we've read today. They describe green seers performing mass blood sacrifice as a way of tapping into some sort of dreadful power of the weirwoods to cause natural disasters. But the first and foremost analog of Garth, the antlered green man, in our story is, of course, and I mean, I don't want to say his name lest he appear, but let's just say it rhymes with Gobert Garathian. And his weapon of choice is, of course, a giant hammer, which he uses at a famous battle in a river. A hammer of the waters in the hands of a symbolic antlered green man king. That's right, it's all right there once again. I have to think that the point of giving our prominent Garth-like green man king a giant hammer is to clue us into the fact that it was indeed the antlered green men who were in some way responsible for dropping the hammer of the waters, either by overseeing blood magic rituals or by being sacrificed in such rituals or both. 
Either scenario would be based on the Green Men having some sort of powerful, unique connection to the Weirwoods, a power that would either make a Green Man the most potent blood sacrifice, or which would simply enable them to tap into the darkest and deepest powers of the trees. Alright, now check this out. I think you guys will like this. I'm going to include one juicy little tidbit from the cancelled HBO Game of Thrones spin-off show that was going to be called Blood Moon, and which would have been set during the time of the Long Night. I've got a longer video about the insider information I received about this on my channel, which is called Blood Moon Leaks Confirm My Theories. Grandiose title, I know, but it's kind of true. Check it out. And the crux of the matter is that the script called for there to be antlered green man priests who seem to conduct weddings and other rituals in an official manner for the great houses of ancient Westeros. One was apparently assigned to each house, and when an important wedding between their version of a prince of House Casterly and a princess of House Stark goes down, an antlered green man priest accompanies each to the ceremony. Now, we know that George did consult some on the Blood Moon show, though we don't know how much of what I heard about the script came from George. But since we already have this wonderful theory pointing to the existence of Green Man, Green Seer priests, this leaked info doesn't exactly come out of nowhere or sound ridiculous, does it? I mean, it sounds to me like the showrunners asked George about his ideas of pre-long night Westeros, and somewhere in there, the idea of antlered Green Man came up, and the showrunners liked it and decided to use it. So, in closing, besides all of this being super cool and more than a little bit horny, we've always got to ask ourselves the question, how does this matter in regard to the main plot? I think the answer is that Bran will need to go to the Isle of Faces, just like he's always wanted to, either physically or maybe by weirwood astral travel. Bran will probably need to speak with the Green Men to learn some important truth or powerful magic or both, something which will be critical to ending the endless winter of the Long Night. After all, Green Man and Horned God folklore is all about personifying the cycle of the seasons, about dying and being resurrected so that the spring comes again. Therefore, it would only make too much sense if the Green Men on the Isle of Faces know secret magics which will help bring a dream of spring. Well, hello, bad little children. I hope you've enjoyed today's bedtime story. Tomorrow, you'll need to muck out the stables. And make sure to click the like and subscribe button. And leave your stupid comments below the video. There, I'm done with this. Bloody podcasters with their YouTubes and their Patreons.